Hey, it's Pastor Mike. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and make it a regular part of your day, can I ask for your regular support? We really can't make any of our sermon series or devotions without the continual support of friends like you. Time of Grace, in case you didn't know, is 100% donor-funded, meaning it is your gifts that make it possible for us to use television and print and digital media to share the good news of God's amazing grace. Just click on the link in the episode notes, and thank you for all of your prayers and all of your support. God bless. Well, what's up, everyone? Welcome back. Or maybe for a few of you, welcome for the first time to Behind the Series, a special podcast slash video cast with our friend. <laughs> with, I, I forgot, is there a technical name, Amber, for a video version of a podcast? I don't know about that. No? But I'm waiting for you to use the word co-host. Co- With my co-host. With my co-host, Amber L.B. Swenson. Co-hostess? Co-host. I'm okay with co-host. Is this a gender-specific word? I'm not sure. Mm, I'm good with it. I haven't gotten the t-shirt made yet, so. (laughs) We'll cancel the screen printing until we figure out the grammar. (laughs) Well, in any case, uh, thanks so much for joining us, whether you're listening on a podcast, whether you're watching me and Amber. uh, Great to be back with you. We're going to dig into a really uh, important sermon series that we're covering mm-hmm. on Time of Grace called Trends Versus Truth. Before we get there, Amber, I've not prepared you for this question. Um, I, I needed an icebreaker for today's episode. And I'm wondering, take us back to teenage Amber. Oh, let's if we, not. If we, <laughs> if we would have met, it's a safe place. We're all followers of it's Jesus. It's a safe place. How do I know that? I don't know who's on the other side of this camera. I mean, what could go wrong? So if we would have met you like teenage years, just got your license, middle of high school, what what kind of person would we have met? You can take this any way you want to. Oh, man. Um, Definitely pie in the sky. I plan to move out east and become a famous writer. Um, Did not plan to get married. Did not want children. Um, definitely was going the professional route. So I did absolutely everything that I said that I wouldn't. So Mm. I got married right out of college, like immediately out of college, had four children, not one. I remember I went to a funeral with some of my coworkers and, uh, like this was years after, you know, so I, I had worked in a dietary at a hospital. And that was during the teenage years, you know, when I was like, I'm going to be an author. I'm not getting married and no man's going to hold me down. I'm not having kids. I'm going out East. You guys will never see me again. And so I come to a funeral like 15 years later and they're like, huh, four kids. Really? Interesting. Are you writing? No, I'm just pretty much doing ministry. I mean, they're like, hmm. Okay. So yeah, I had huge dreams and didn't do any of them. Oh man! And then Steve walked into the room for the first time, and that's boom, right. That's exactly what happened. Down. There's like I fell a in love. glow, like an old, like middle-aged painting of Jesus. He was. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I had my professors in college because I was a creative writing literature major, and um, several of them tried to talk me out of getting married. They're like, "Go to grad school. You're going to throw your career in the toilet. Don't do this. If you want." to become a writer, like getting married is the worst thing you could do. Really? And I was like, but I'm in love. (laughs) So, well, I hope Steve appreciates that you had these hopes and dreams and you loved him just a little bit more. 
Oh, God has always had a better plan. My, I, I probably would have lost my faith, honestly, going hmm. out east and, and being in the whole writer scene. I probably would have. Why did you ask? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I, I was just, I originally, my question was like, what are you most looking forward to this summer? And then I thought, I can do better than that. Let, let's give people a little glimpse of the life of Amber. So thanks for, I think you really did that well. This is why you're the co-host slash co-hostess to be determined. Well, I always tell people, future. you know, do you know what my, my most listened to podcast ever on little things is? I do not. <laughs> you mean you don't keep up on this stuff? You don't <laughs> check often with little things to see who's listening to what? I do think Which I have like a top 10 list right. in a whiteboard in my office, like most listened to podcast. I'm so disappointed. I feel neglected. Uh, you should. You should. <laughs> it was called This Is Your Assignment. And I talk about detours and not going the path that you think is best for your life, but just being okay with wherever God takes you. Wow. Yep. I feel very prepared for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Amber. All right. So we are back. Um, some of you know that we love to dig into the upcoming sermon series on Time of Grace. And so Amber and I like to dialogue over the big ideas. She prepares some really awesome questions. And this is a huge sermon series we did at our mm -hmm. church called Trends Versus Truth. So Amber, where do you want to start? I want to start by telling you that I watched these. I never, I never watch you. I listen mm -hmm. to you. I typically listen to these sermons in the car as mm -hmm. I'm going to and from work. But I was really sick like two and a half weeks ago. And so I asked our producer to send the, the videos to me mm -hmm. and I watched them and you seem to be having a lot of fun in this sermon series. I mean, like you were happy and preaching and, <laughs> and I thought, I think I miss a lot when, <laughs> when I don't see your facial expressions. And I just have to tell you, there was one sermon where we'll get to it. The last sermon on self-care and you said, teens, go to your grandparents, tell them your schedule. And if they do this and you, I don't. I don't know how you made one eyebrow go up and then the other. Yeah, like that. I was like, I stopped and I rewound. And I, I was like, can I do that? How do you do that? So I saw you for a long. I haven't watched you for a long time and it was very fun. Wow. All right. I didn't have more facial expressions than I knew. And uh, that's just a little. Uh, Go watch people if you usually listen. Hey. You might be missing something. That's, yeah, indeed. <laughs> so tell us about this sermon series. What's the big idea? Uh, the big idea is when something trends, it feels true. Mm. So it might not be true. It might be true. It might be half true. But when something trends, meaning when you hear something enough times from enough people, yeah. your brain just assumes, well, it must be right. If this many people or these people that I respect say it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you can think of good and bad examples. God is love. You know, it's a trending idea. And it's true. That's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. How do people in the American South who have Bibles somehow see, you know, generations ago, one ethnicity as inferior? Well, it trends, you know, enough people said it enough times in churches or in families that unfortunately many people believe it's true. And so uh, kind of the sermon series is about, you know, we hear certain phrases all the time in our culture. They might be right. They might be wrong. They might be a little both. You know, Jesus yeah. says, don't judge. It's important to take care of yourself. Be true to yourself. 
God is love, um, you know, all these different things. So what this series is like, okay, let's tap the brakes a little bit. Let's grab mm -hmm. a Bible. Let's make sure it's not a half truth or a partial truth, but it's all the truth that comes from the God of truth. Ooh, is really good. And these are all things that most people will be familiar with too, right out of society. So the first sermon is God told me, and I have to tell you, I was walking with a friend last hour. She asked me if Jesus speaks to you. I'm like, hmm, you might want to listen to Pastor Mike's sermon in, in like a week. Mm. So God told me is the first sermon. And your point was, look, God spoke in the past, well, right from Hebrews 1. He used to speak in many ways, through a burning bush, through a donkey even, in lots of dreams. So we know he can speak any way he wants, but how do we know if we have a dream or a thought and it seems like, oh, it might be God. How do we know if God is speaking to us or not? Yeah. Uh, this is such an emotional and important question because our own experiences feel so powerful. Right. You know, you wake up from a dream and like, wow, that was, that was something. I feel like that had to be something. Or, I don't know, do you just have this intuition about something or you sense something? And so I, I feel like this can be a dangerous question to answer because you don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to pounce on anyone's intuition or thoughts or experiences. But I think the way you worded the question is brilliant because you said, how can we know? Like, no, 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 without it. How can I put my faith in this and trust it? And not just, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And the more I think about where confidence and faith comes from is that God never intended us to guess about the stuff that really matters. Yep. Amen. You know, the reason we have peace isn't because we had some experience or dream that we're trying to interpret. It's because there's like an objective promise that God has made in his word. Mm -hmm. um, I've had too many times, even my own experiences where I, like, I thought that was God. It, it was a unique experience. I can remember one time this happened to me in a church and then it didn't happen. Um, there's this woman uh, that I know who claims like God speaks to her all the time in dreams she made like this prophetic word over one of our church members. I remember what it was, and then it didn't happen. Right? So, man, God, God doesn't want us to have to guess. He really loves it when we can put our feet down on the solid rock. Like, he said it. He's going to do it. I don't have to wonder about it. Oh, I can take a deep breath because it's not some subjective interpretation. Listen to a whisper, sense a nudge or a feeling from God. Nope. Here it is. Black and white. And for some people, that doesn't seem exciting enough, but for me, it's the most comforting thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I know what my God thinks about me. I know the plans that God has for me. So your question is worded perfectly. How do we know? We know if it's in the book. Yeah. Period. That's so important. That's so huge. I feel the same about you wrote about three words that will change your life and about being in God's presence. And some people get really caught up in feeling God. You know, mm -hmm. I really want to feel God. Mm -hmm. And the danger of that is what happens when you don't. Yes. Right? Like, yes. so great. So you're in your Bible and you feel, you know, like he's talking yeah. right to you. Yeah. But then sometimes you don't. Yeah. So then what? Is God not there? Yeah. Or. Yeah. I mean, think if you struggle with mental health and you're like depressed. If I said, oh, God's only here when you feel it. Yeah. 
like, oh, that's just a, that's a boulder on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. But if I can say, hey, look at this passage. I know you don't feel this right now. Mm-hmm. But God in his mercy wasn't waiting for your feelings to give him yeah. access to this room. <laughs> like he is, he is here even in your weakness. So people might critique it as like throwing water on their experiences. I, I think it's just the opposite. I think it's a really great encouragement for us when wherever we're at on the feeling or sensation, uh, things of experience. Yeah, that's great. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us that God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So talk to the people who are like, hmm, God's word really does all that. Funny. I open God's word and I get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's my response. Uh, How did you open God's word? Mm. Ooh, ooh, go on. I think I know where you're going with that. <laughs> you know, if I think it's like osmosis, you know, I open the book, oh, like beams of spiritual light fill my brain, or I, I read it from start to finish, or I kind of read it, skimmed it. Like the Bible never promises that just opening the book will be this incredibly emotional spiritual experience. The Pharisees actually did, but they didn't read it rightly. So, you know, I would say if, you're listening and you've tried to read the Bible and it hasn't worked for you. There's two things that you can do that the Bible itself says are really powerful. Number one, slow down and meditate on it. Yes. You know, which means, okay, let me read it once. Just a paragraph or a passage. Let me read it again. What, what is this saying? What does this word mean? How does this verse fit together with that verse? You got to interrogate it a little bit, figure out, okay, can I figure out what this means? And in my experience, when I do that, it's the second or the third or the fourth time reading through that, oh, man, that's when God opens my eyes to something great, right? And then the last thing, and it's related, if you read it in community, mm-hmm. and by that I mean whether I'm with a group of people and reading it, or I just read it and then bring kind of my questions to someone who knows it well, like that, man, that is the impact. God always intended his word to be a communal experience. And so I think if you do those two things on a regular basis, you slow down and meditate, and then you bring it to other people to discuss, like, come on, do that and tell me after a year, the Bible isn't your favorite book in the universe. That's good. And I tell my teens all the time when I teach them, do not, do not have a question and go to your Bible and open it up and put your hand down like it's a Ouija board, you know, like... (laughs) Here, God says, and Rahab came to Joshua. <laughs> so you, you know, go up to the book of Esther. You're like, there must be something here. Don't read it like that. You know, don't read it like looking for an answer. Open it up like it's a magic genie or something. Yeah. But when you're consistent with your reading and you're just in your normal daily reading, it's it's amazing how often God meets you mm-hmm. right where you're at. Just mm-hmm. going through the same book. That's how he speaks to you. It's not like a magic book that you just open up, pinpoint, here's the answer. You know, you do it twice a year. Mm. It's a, like you said, it's that consistently going through the Bible and and how can it not become your favorite book when he meets you so often? Yeah. When you do that. Uh, It might be good to, I love what you're saying. Because I've had that same experience. Like when I'm in the Bible, you have a conversation with a friend and like, what? There's no way you just brought, I was just reading about that this morning, or I was just thinking about that on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. yeah, God has a supernatural way of connecting the dots for us, which is awesome. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So, yeah. boom. That's, I, I love that. God told me, yes, he did. He wrote a whole book to tell you. So love the book, prioritize the book, be in the book. Don't wait for a cardinal to land outside yes. your window or for some magical sign in the stars. Like grab the scriptures because it's all that you need. Yes, totally agree. That That's great. Oh, okay, the second story. Oh, sorry. Go right, ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm, I'm not mad at Time of Grace. but I'm glad to hear that. I, <laughs> um, so if people don't know at home, I preach at our church for, on average, probably about 36 minutes a sermon. The problem is Time of Grace only has a 30-minute or 28-and-a-half-minute TV slot, and we have like intro, intro and a conclusion. So I only get like a 25-minute sermon. So the editors have to decide you know, 10 to 15 minutes to cut out. And what they cut out of this particular sermon, it broke my heart. Because in my mind, this is called the cardinal sermon. So I was thinking about people who see a lot of symbolism and, you know, a cardinal, a loved one passed away. Um, I rarely saw cardinals ever. And once I started this sermon, I am not exaggerating, Amber, every day. There are families of cardinals who live in my yard. They will swoop past my face when I'm out on a run. I, I was on a TV interview down in Dallas the other day. I sit down in the chair and literally what's next to me, this little ceramic thing of okay. two beautiful red gardens. <laughs> okay, so. but this is my deal. I think you just never noticed them before. I don't think any new flock of cardinals moved into your yard. I think your eyes were just suddenly open to them. Maybe. You That's could, all it is. Right. No, no, no. Listen, when you buy a blue car, I know you don't have this experience because you run Tina forever, but for the rest of us, when we get a new car or yes. a different car, True. not new, different, and you have a different color car and you go to the parking lot and you're like, wait, everybody's got a blue car. Yes. I've never noticed a blue car before. There I didn't is. think there were blue cars. There it is. And then you get a blue car and you're like, everybody has a blue car. Yep. <laughs> Cardinals are everywhere. So I preached that sermon. A woman came and she's like, look at this pastor. And she has a giant cardinal tattooed on her on her shoulder. And oh. wasn't the woman who served you coffee? Wasn't she wearing a cardinal sweatshirt and all that good stuff? Like <laughs> I'm a traveling scout for the St. Louis Cardinals. Nice to meet you, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and back time of grace on this one. I think uh anger aside, it's all good. They all kept right. the important stuff out of the sermon, so fine. I still, I still like you, Time of Grace. All right, so <laughs> sermon good. number two. Sermon number two. Sermon number two is called "B U Exclamation Point Asterisk." This was my <laughs> favorite sermon of the whole, even though I know what they already cut out. I already know that they cut out all the movie references at the beginning. I'm sure, and I didn't know any of them. So good job, Time of Grace. <laughs> so the worldly message in a lot of movies is you have to be yourself, be you just, you know, embrace who you are. Mm. And you made a point in this sermon. Hey guys, that's not totally wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. Romans 12 says that we're all part of a body and we're all a different part. So we're not all a hand and we're not all an ear and we're not all a mouth. Thank God. Mm. Um, and you said it took you 35 good years mm. to figure out who you were and yeah. what you were good at and what you weren't good at. So why do you think it takes us so long to figure out who we are and who we're supposed to be? And I mean, 35 years, that's a good part of your life. I'm still trying to figure out. So. <laughs> You're trying to figure out who I am or who you yeah. are? Oh. I don't care who you are. Are you kidding? 
Sorry. Oh, no, I do. I'm sorry. Time of grace. I do care who Pastor Mike is. Yes. This is the part that gets edited out. If you're listening yes. to this right now, we, we do care about each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your, your question, why does it take us so long yeah. to figure out our part? I, I think there's a really simple explanation. Because when you have a God-given gift, it doesn't feel like a gift. It just feels like so normal, mm -hmm. right? If I have an above average thing that God has given to me, it's not like I worked for it. It just feels like, well, this must be what being human is like, right? So it actually, you know, they, for good reason, they warn us about comparing ourselves to other people. Yeah. But I think when it comes to figuring out your God-given gift, comparison is absolutely essential. Really? I, I actually, I do. I don't think you're going to know how, like, I think my gift, I have an insane ability to learn things very fast and then to communicate them with others. I know I worked with you. So, <laughs> so annoying. When you said that in the sermon, I'm like, yep, that was it. Do a commercial with Pastor Mike. He'll look at the notes and he'll be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, that one didn't get that one. Didn't get that gift, Pastor Mike, but good for you. Really good for you. You are as spicy as cayenne pepper today. <laughs> good reason to move it. Yeah, but you know, I went to, when I'm a kid, I can think back of like how fast I could take a test in grade school. Yeah. And to me, it just felt like, well, you, you guys aren't, I mean, obviously just go faster. You know, and I didn't realize like that kid. Oh, I was a, yeah, I was a, that kid in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. But you know, you don't realize like, okay, different people have different gifts. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got something from God, but until I compare myself to you, I might I'll read a book or two every week. And I have pastor friends who are like, I don't know how you find time to read a book a week. Yeah. And I think what? I'm like, I'm not locking myself in a room. I'm just reading for a few minutes before bed. Hmm. Right. So. And other people, you know, who are really have a gift that I don't have, like a big empathetic heart, you just naturally feel it's not like you sit down in a coffee shop or with a friend and say, okay, I'm really going to turn up my empathy now. Mm -hmm. It's just normal for you. Yeah. Or, or you're really organized. And so you got a lot to do on the weekend and you kind of pull out your little calendar and you get things all and you get the job done. You're really responsible. Like that doesn't feel like, well, I went to college and I minored in efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. God just gave you that gift. And so I think sometimes you need to talk to friends and others and realize like, okay, okay. Yeah. God has given me something that not everyone has. Mm. And I think then, and only then can you embrace the good part of this trending phrase is to be you. So if you're an elbow, be an elbow. If you're an eye, spend your time looking. And if yeah. you're an ear, spend your time hearing. Cause if I get this false humility and say, oh, it's nothing. And I don't recognize it's a God giving something. Yeah. Well, then I'm not going to use it. I'm going to think, well, anyone in church could do this. Um, no, no, they can't. And God puts you in that body for this purpose to be you as he intended you to be. I get, I just want to put a plug, plug out there right now for Dr. Bruce Becker's book, Gifted for More. Mm, yep. If you haven't read it and you're still kind of wondering who you are, mm. that is so helpful. And he has a little inventory at the end. If you've never done a spiritual gift inventory to figure out what gifts you have, super helpful. Yeah, I love that. Amber, I was, let me, 
How yeah, can I ask you? I, I talked about my strength. Like in all humility, it comes from God. Yeah. What do you What do you think? Just comes a little bit easier, a lot bit easier for you than for the average person listening. I'm going to answer that by telling you what I am not because no, 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 I no, no, was no, no. no I want no, to. No, no, I want to tell no, you this no, quick story. It'll make it quick. I was on a phone call, a Zoom call with a friend. We're I have a thing, a podcast series coming up on body image and all that. And it's something that everyone, every woman, 91% of women deal with this, right? So I'm like, you know, talking to her and trying to make her feel good about herself and everything. And we're going to pray at the end. And I'm like, God, I know you didn't need any more Esters. That's why you created us. And she literally starts laughing out loud. So I think it's as important to recognize what you're not as, as important as what you are. So when you try things, because I might want to be like you, I might want to just be able to remember things super fast and do, and I would waste so much time and energy trying to be you when mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm not, God didn't make me like that. He mm -hmm. didn't need that from me. He needed, um, I think I'm a really good support person. I'm a potato to other people's main course. That's what one of my <laughs> pastors called me once. So, um, that is good. That is good. He actually gave me a potato on his last Sunday and in front of people said he wanted to thank me for being a great side dish and making the main Ooh. course even better. So Ooh. I thought Ooh. it what was ridiculous, but I think I'm a big encourager mm. and I think I like to highlight other people's gifts. And in fact, I, the only reason I know the top, um, episodes of little things is because we're in August, we're doing some of our most listened to podcast episodes mm. and the top five, only one of them is me alone. Every other one is an interview. Mm. My interview with you on what's big start small. It's like number three, Dr. Bruce Becker gifted for more is number four, Mary mm. Jo Trotter. Number two. It's like, so if I'm going to pay attention, mm. When I highlight other people, mm. that's where I sort of yep. do my best work. When I'm look at them, <clears throat> look at them. Mm. That's kind of yeah. Wow. It's like John the Baptist, right? Well, yeah, I'm not nearly as important as he is, but mm. it's good to know about yourself, you know. For sure. We have a yeah. there's a new really talented musician that just came to our church. And uh, I got a chance to meet him just a couple weeks ago. And he said he was saying how much he enjoyed coming. He's fairly new. And then he mentioned one person's name that was such a gift to our church. And it was the sound guy. Oh, he, he said his name is Jesse. And uh, he said, you need to make sure Jesse never leaves. Like he is such a big deal to <clears throat> the sound in this space that helps people worship. <clears throat> and I thought about that being the behind the scenes face or name that yeah. few people know is so important to what happens up front, mm -hmm. the people who, you know, look more important. Mm -hmm. So I love what you're saying. It is not a secondary gift or a side dish or a potato. You know, it, it, it helps. Maybe it's like a seasoning that makes the main course itself even yeah. better. Right. Yeah. And I don't have a, a problem with that. Actually, that's one of the things that I love. I love when other people, I love to all get there together. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to run ahead and get there first. I'm like, stop. Let's make sure we're all going across the finish line mm -hmm. at the same time. Like let's, if someone's back there, let's go grab them. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, yep. so yeah. Good. Thanks for asking. Good. All right. You give us 
three guidelines as we come into who we are supposed to do, uh, supposed to be. We can ask, am I humble? Am I selfless? And am I obedient? Why those three? Yeah, humble. <clears throat> do I realize that a gift is a gift? Um, so now you might be able to throw down on the basketball court. But if God made you like dunk, yeah. Throw down, do you know what that phrase means? <laughs> no, I was just saying, no, I, I, that, I mean, I can't, but oh. I'm sure someone can. Yeah, I mean, God probably gave you an athletic ability that not everyone has. So whatever your gift is, hey, it comes from God, be humble. Um, number two, be selfless. So if you have a gift, whether it's organization or empathy or public speaking or sound or athletics, like God gave you that gift for the good of others. Mm -hmm. It's not for the likes and the shares and the comments, the accolades, your reputation, your ego. Like God gave you the gift and put you in that spot to serve other people. And then this last one, uh, I I cannot overemphasize the importance of if you feel something within you, is that something obedient to the Bible? Mm. You know, that's my that's the asterisk in the sermon. Bu exclamation point asterisk, because if what you feel or what you desire and we'll talk more about this in a second. But if that doesn't line up with what God says, then don't be you. Yeah. Then, as Jesus says, deny yourself and follow him instead of your own heart. And uh, I think that's a message maybe more than any that our culture needs to hear today. Yeah. Okay, let's dig into that because Sermon 3 is love is love. And this is a really difficult topic all the way around. And mm -hmm. I have a friend. I, I've been walking with her. Who, you know, raised her family to be Christian, went to church, God-fearing parents who um, their daughter came out as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And this is not unique mm -hmm. to her. I mean, we see this all over, right? Mm -hmm. But then you also have, you know, gay or lesbian couples who say, but we love God and we want to be part of the church, but we don't plan to leave our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So as you're looking at this, how do we begin to navigate both the idea of loving people and also loving God. Oh man. How long can we talk on these episodes, Amber? I got all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what you wanted to hear. That's, and we might need that to do this justice. I mean, I know people listen and watch from all different backgrounds, brand new to the faith, maybe not even Christians yet, longtime believers. The first time I really preached on homosexuality, we spent four weeks. Yeah. So, you know, four, probably 45 minute sermons because it just felt like if I try to summarize this in 10 minutes or an hour, I'm going to leave something out that's really, really important. So I know you're going to ask me in just a second about a book that came out of that sermon series. But for now, you know, you, you asked, where do we start? Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm dealing with same sex attraction. Maybe my daughter just came out. Maybe it's my best friend or my roommate or my cousin or my sister. Um, you know, where do you begin? The more I've thought this through over the years, and we have people from all kinds of you know sexual orientation backgrounds who attend our church, I think the place you have to start for this to make any sense is with the glory of God. I think if you grab a Bible and try to figure out, okay, is this right? Is this wrong? Can I do this? Or does God say, don't do that? I, I think that's the wrong place to start. I think you have to start with how glorious, how good, how incredible is God? Because here's my logic. If God is really 
inexplicably glorious and amazing. If seeing his face, as Romans 8 says, makes all the present sufferings of this world not even worth comparing, and if I get to be with that God who is so glorious and so unbelievably good, not for five or 10 years or 50 or 100, but for eternity, forever and ever and ever, if I start with that, then the only logical question is, oh my goodness, what do I have to do to be with God? Yeah. Right? If I just come to someone and say, hey, God says you shouldn't be gay, their gut reaction is going to be, what? I'm going to give up my family, my this connection, this relationship that we have? I mean, we're, we're dating. We have a I'm thinking of a family, you know, their daughter just moved in with her girlfriend. They have a dog together. Like you just think of everything that you lose, right? I'm going to lose this friendship, this intimacy, this family, these children that we've adopted. And you feel like the Bible is robbing you of something Mm -hmm. where Jesus would say, I love his really sharp parable, the parable of the treasure hidden in the field. A man went out, he found a treasure hidden in the field and the treasure was so good Jesus says, he sold everything that he previously had with joy so that he could have that treasure. So therefore, my interpretation is, if you find God as a treasure, like an eternal treasure, I might have to give up all kinds of things that I feel or want in this moment, but but God isn't robbing me. He's actually giving me so, so much more than I would ever expect or imagine. So we got to be careful as Christians that we don't start with the law, but instead start with the glory, then move back through the gospel, through Jesus, we get the glory of God. And then what does the law say? If there's anything in you that doesn't line up with Jesus, repent, deny yourself. You might have to take up your cross. It won't be easy, but follow him. And he is the way to bring you into the presence of a glorious God. Yeah, in the sermon, you talk about your book, Gay and God, and that it's available for free. And it's actually after I heard that, that I downloaded the book and printed it off from my Sunday school class, and we're going through it now. And um, it's beautiful how you start that book, because you don't start with fingers pointing, guns blazing, you really start with how do you view those people, anybody who's other than you. And it is a chance for anybody reading to reflect and come to repentance. Because have we been that good Samaritan? That's the parable that you use. Mm-hmm. Or are we walking by on the other side of the road? And I, it doesn't matter if we're talking about gay people or anybody who we consider those people, mm-hmm. it really, um, for my class, brought us to a deep discussion and repentance um, mm. for the people at school who, you know, maybe are popular and so they look down on us and so we hate them because mm. they're those people, you know, mm. or mm-hmm. or the jocks, you know, for the nerds or, or any, I mean, it really... Mm. It, it, was, it was beautiful the way you started it because you really did start out on a love note mm. on a, like, we're not going to point fingers. We're going to look at our hearts. We're going to yeah. see what God thinks about all people. Mm. So why did you write this book and what did you hope to accomplish? And, and, and I mean, I, I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but I was very impressed mm. with the beginning. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> I think I, I wrote that book because I needed that book. You know, um, I, I knew the Bible passages about right, wrong, do, don't. But I had held on to them so tightly that I had let go of all the other Bible passages mm. that said, yeah. be patient, yeah. be kind. What good is it if you if you have all the knowledge in the world, but you don't have love? Hmm. Well, even tax collectors and pagans love their own kind of people. But your heavenly father sends his rain and sunshine on the righteous and the unrighteous. Be be perfect like your father is perfect. So, man, I think back and just cringe. I was at every Sunday church kid, you know, reading the Bible, getting my senior pictures in my WWJD bracelet. And at the same time, just saying and thinking things that I, I just don't even want to repeat on this podcast about yeah. people of different sexual orientations. So I, as a Christian, just needed God to level me and bring me to repentance. And I, I was nothing like Christ. He didn't agree with everyone. But he sat at the dinner table of tax collectors he, and Pharisees. Yeah, you know he he didn't say, "Well, you're not behaving right, so I can't I can't be near you." Like, yeah, that was just so different than. And I'm finding the more people read that book, and it's probably the most read book I've ever written, and I'm grateful for that. Mm, yeah, it, it 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 has had a way more than anything to soften the hearts of Christians who think they're right, but they've mm. stopped acting righteously. Yeah, and I would imagine it's very um, beneficial for those Christian parents who have children who are, and you know, let's not, I mean, I, I didn't write a, this is, we had five sermons and I could have written, I, we could talk all day about all different things. And you didn't just talk about homosexuality in the sermon. Correct. You have, you have things that you're telling straight couples too. I mean, you went through Ephesians five. I mean, men are supposed to love like Christ. Women are supposed to submit. I mean, this was a hard sermon for a whole bunch of people, not just, you know, it, it, hmm. we're only talking about this, but hmm. if, I mean, when we're pointing fingers, we all have work to do. Yep. So true. You know, yeah. so, and we're not bringing it up here, but I just wanted to point that out so that people don't just think this is a sermon about homosexuality because it's not when you say love is love, you know, if you want to be a good spouse, you're going to have to work at that. That's mm -hmm. we all have work to do. All yeah. of us. Yes. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Thanks for saying that. Uh, man, if, if you didn't have time to listen to all these sermons, uh, just please find that one. Uh, I think you're going to need it as much as all of us have. Yeah. Very good. Sermon four, who am I to judge? This is a, I think you said this was the most common phrase that unbelievers use judge not. Um, but this sermon has four parts, God, you, us, and grace. Hmm. So let's just focus on God and you. God tells us a lot in his word, but there's a lot that he leaves open for us to do as we please. You, <laughs> oh yeah, you said, let's just talk about what makes a church good. And I was cringing. I was like, you're going there? Like, <laughs> clearly you haven't read some of the things on the internet, but <laughs> you did, you did, you went there. <laughs> You're like, what is, what makes the church good? Is it the music? Is it the decorations? Is it what time of day mm. you, is it, you, you went all over. So, mm. okay. What makes the church good? And how do we get tripped up and start throwing judgment around? Cause you yeah. can use this for any topic. I mean, you, you threw that one out. And like I said, I, I thought that was very bold and courageous of you. So mm. good for you. You're blaming me. I have to answer my own question is what you're saying. Yes. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, who am I to judge? You gave the outline. Okay, let's, everyone judges, everyone has an idea of right or wrong, and that's a good thing. But just make sure you start with God, so your judgment aligns with his. Then start with yourself, you know, look in the mirror before you judge other people. Then we can judge one another, and then let's not forget about judging with grace and forgiveness yeah. in light of the gospel. Oh, man, the church question. <laughs> I was at my, I had multiple conversations with my own family this week that I think what God says about a good church um, is one of the hardest things to believe. I go to a church sometimes that is doing what God wants them to do, and I yawn and get in the car and want to grumble. Um, yeah. I think it's because we're maybe so spoiled in our culture and especially yeah. the internet culture where, you know, we, any of us can find the most talented pastor, public speaker, the, yes. our favorite hymns by the most beautiful voices. And so we normalize maybe this perfect personal person who speaks to me in the highest level of musical quality. And then we step into like a real church where the real people there are using their real gifts to be really faithful. And we're thinking like, boring, this is boring. Let me tell, well, let me tell you how you could have made this better, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I think, I just have a hard time when I read the Bible, finding God supporting that standard of judgment. Yeah. Um, I do find him saying in 1 Corinthians, rebuking people who said, I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I like Apollos the best. And the Holy Spirit has to use, what, four straight chapters to try to, like, tell the Corinthian church how your judging preaching is wrong. Yeah. You're picking favorite styles. All that, who, who cares who sows or how they sow the seed? What matters is God who make things grow. So stop acting worldly. That's so, <laughs> my, I, I get what the Bible says on that. But when I'm in those moments, I find it so hard, so hard to do like, be grateful, Mike, be grateful. There are billions of people who don't get to hear the name of Jesus today. And you're oh. hearing the name of Jesus. Be grateful, be grateful. And that's so hard. So that's, that's judging by God's standards and not my own. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many people in Asia and in Indonesia and in Africa who would love mm. to meet with believers and not have to worry about dying to do so. And we're so mm. spoiled. Mm. Okay, so you is our reminder. You first when it comes to service. Me first when it comes to who's the problem. Mm. Jesus told us to deal with our plank before worrying about our neighbor's speck. So why are specks so hard to ignore and planks mm. so hard to see? Oh. I mean, I don't have any problems, but no. I'm just wondering for you. <laughs> Why are you so? Why is, it, why, is it, why is it? This is a pattern of your questioning. I've I know as co-hosts of like this, <laughs> and for the other people who need it, it is. Yeah. I just. Um, have you ever heard your own voice on like a podcast or a voicemail? <laughs> yes, I've heard my voice on a podcast. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> maybe it's more common now, but when you actually hear your name on, or your own voice on an answering machine and you're like, what? That's what I sound like? Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it makes you cringe so much because the voice I hear in my head is actually different than the voice that everyone else hears. Um, yeah. I, I think faith is a lot like that, that Jesus knows none of us can accurately assess our own faith. 
Um, it's like recognizing the sound of our own voice. And so mm. we need, we need to be judged. I, if I'm having a, an emotional conversation with my wife or with my kids, I can't hear the tone of my own voice and I can't see the expression of my face. Yeah. And I have a hunch if there was a camera crew and I got to watch that episode of the reality show, I would say, Ooh, Ooh. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, our, our culture loves to say, don't judge, don't judge. Jesus doesn't want you to judge. And uh, Jesus would say, what? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like we, we all need to be judged. Right. Mm -hmm. so we got to start with us and we're going to need other people's help to do it. And it's such a good thing because once we can see it, it softens us. It humbles us. It makes us grateful for God's patience and grace. And only then can we really be good humans who are gracious and forgiving with other people. Can I ask you something? I almost think Christians, I haven't thought this through really, but I almost think we tend to be super judgmental about the world and super easygoing on one another. So if you were to tell me, Amber, I'm struggling with this, you know, I'd be like, Pastor Mike, that's not that big of a deal. Like, you, you know, you got this, you'll, you'll, it'll be mm. okay. Mm. But we look out at the world and we're like, oh, can you believe, look what they're doing and look at how they're, and I have seen this more and more and more, man, I really respect my friends who hold me to a higher standard and mm. who actually are. Like you, who say, after only one time of me saying a semi, not even bad, bad word, next time we're going to do a podcast, you're like, yeah, just try not to use bad language, Amber. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> when did I what? say that? Yeah, well, okay. No, what you said is try not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, for the record. It was, <laughs> it was a little off color, but it wasn't bad, just in case you know, but but you hold me to a higher standard. So that's, that's the kind of people that we should be mm. where we tend to judge. Is that, do you, do you see that? Maybe you're around people who mm. hold you to a high standard all the time. Now, I think there's something to that. I'm working on a talk right now at a high school coming up here in a couple of weeks. And the title of the talk is love different mm. and just how hard it is to love different people. Yeah. And as I was thinking about that, like, wow, we tend to be very, maybe more gospel oriented to our people. I think so. And then, we, you know, if I'm together with the guys, yeah. isn't it so easy to talk about, you know, women, right? And then a bunch of women get together. Ooh, men. Watch out, watch out husbands <laughs> or, or rich people get together. Look at these, you know, poor people, this and that poor people get together. Can you believe those rich people? They have so much and they never give back. So I think, I think that's a little part of human nature and sin. It's just pretty convenient to think that the change all needs to happen outside yeah. instead of inside, whether it's my heart versus yours or our church versus the world. Yeah. And that's why I love this uh, Jesus message in Matthew seven. He's like, okay, we we'll get to them later. There might be real issues there, but let's line up with God. And then let's start with you. Can you imagine how different politics would be Oof. if we were just like, oh guys, let's just deal with ourselves. Like, yeah. let's look at ourselves and what could we change to be a better party Yep. and not talk about them at all. Oh, man. Wouldn't or, that be nice? Or they can be part two of the agenda. First, our yeah. mistakes, confessions, and errors. I, I would be so on board to vote for people like that. Yeah, for yeah. real. Yeah. Okay. Last sermon, self-care. 
Are we Ooh. on the live camera? Yeah, self-care. Yes, we are. The first part of the sermon was about sweat, as in we're going to have to work. There will be incredibly hard seasons in our life. Hmm. But what do we need to remember to get through those hard seasons? Hmm. Can I ask you first, Amber? Well, as you look back on life, you know, seasons you're talking about, so a, mm -hmm. a time, not forever. What mm -hmm. are some of the toughest, like, exhausting, working, hard to find time for rest? What are the hardest seasons you've been through so far? I think when my father-in-law died, that was probably the very top one. He just died unexpectedly. Mm. And we had three tiny kids. My youngest was six months old. In fact, the obituary was him, him holding her. And um, we suddenly had a widow in our family who, um, God bless her, I'm very close to her now, but she didn't know how to pump gas. And, uh, you know, it was just, um, so we took on a new role. And for a couple with three super tiny children um, to suddenly have a new uh, whole, we have a yard to take care of. We have a widow to take care of. Mm. And, um, there was a bad year of me pushing back. Like, this isn't my deal. Like, why do I have to deal with this? Mm. And God working on my heart, like, no, this is your deal. Mm. This, this is your family mm. and this is your priority mm. and you will take care of her. And, um, but there was a lot of struggle that first year and just a lot of, uh, yeah, you know, sold a house and, and, and like did the whole thing. Like there was just a lot there. So that would be wow. one of the hardest. Oh man. My brain is spinning right now. Uh, do you know what James one says about the religion that God loves? Orphans and widows. Yeah. yeah the Lord really, he, he brought me, uh, Thessalonians to, um, in first Thessalonians, I believe it's where Paul says, if you do not take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm. And I looked up a lot of passages to get my heart where it needed to be. And I'm not proud of where I was. I was young. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I thought my family, my three young kids should be the whole priority mm. that I didn't need to deal. And, and the Lord had to really work with me, just like you said, yeah. you know, you're worse than an unbeliever if you can't even take care of your own. And yeah. she is your own. Yeah. Yeah. Man, thanks for sharing that. I, I think, yeah, you talk about seasons and it might be, we got a couple young kids or a widow in the family, you know, maybe for pastors, it's Christmas season or Lent. Yeah. Maybe if you're in accounting, it's tax season. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you coach a team, you know, it's fall sports. Um, you're a teacher and end of summer, you're getting ready for the classroom. Um, so in all different ways, I think we just have to expect, hey, I'm going to try to have this kind of nice balanced life, but there are going to be times when there's, there's no way to do all the things, mm -hmm. you know, and I have to be prepared that this is God's calling for me. Because if you're not ready, I've experienced what you have, is that you start... You get bitter. Yeah. It's almost like God has given you this obvious good work to do, but you think, I know it's not my, I have to keep things every perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. There are just times where you're going to have to work. Um, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 says, you know, sometimes I had sleepless nights. Sometimes I was just weary from the mission work I had to do. That wasn't every day, every season. 
but there were seasons like that for him. So I, I say this really carefully. You can tell me if I'm way off. I love, love, love. And I mean this, I love the new emphasis and awareness we have of mental health, stress, anxiety, what we deal with. I think maybe though the devil uses a little bit of that of sometimes hard work and difficult seasons make you stressed and anxious, but it's still the right thing to do. You know, if Mm -hmm. I, I know some people who quit jobs every time they feel overwhelmed, it's not good for my mental health. Well, sometimes God says you got to work. Sometimes farmers are stressed, but they got to get out there and harvest the crop. So there's this tough balance. I think we got to be cautious. I don't want us to choose the other one, but holding on to both those things, like, yep, rest, take care of yourself, your headspace. But sometimes you just got to work, sweat, mm-hmm. grind it out, get some grit. Because if you never do that, you're never going to go stronger. Yeah. You know, I know that you know this, but you know, when Jesus started in his ministry and the he healed a man who was demon possessed in the synagogue. And then he went to his mother-in-law's house, well, Peter's house, where his mother-in-law was. And the, it mm. says the whole town brought their sick. Mm. And after that, you know what Jesus did? He spent the night praying. Mm. And the disciples came to him and they're like, everybody is looking for you. Like, what are you doing? And he's mm. like, we have other communities that need me too. Yeah. And um, he didn't say, I'm, I'm going to take a day off. And he, he spent the whole night praying, like, Father, redirect me to what is good, to what is right, mm-hmm. to what is true, to where my priorities need to be. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what he said in his prayers. I just know that so often that's what I have to do when it seems like life is so crazy. I have to mm-hmm. go spend some time with my Heavenly Father and say, you got to focus me here. What mm-hmm. what should be my priority? Where do Mm -hmm. I need to look? And what am I doing that's silly Mm. that I can just blow off? You know, what am I concentrating on? You know, get off that Netflix series that. (laughs) Yes. So. Oh yeah. So true. Wow. What a tough balance, huh? So much of the trending series was like, let's just not, don't swing too far the other way. Can we hold on to, you know, there are times when you're going to be up early and up late. And then there's other times where Jesus himself made it his custom to walk away from the crowds. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want people to overcompensate because of this series. Just have two good scriptural truths to hold in tension. Yeah. So the the second part is rest. And we've, you know, as Americans, we're like, work, 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 work. Other mm. countries take long holidays, take long maternity leaves, even paternity leaves. Um, what's the problem with the pedal to the metal all the time mentality? I mean, I, I want to know because that's how I live. So what's the problem with that? I got this friend who, (laughs) yeah, so we, uh, not to look too much into the future, but, uh, three months ago, we did a series at our church called, uh, burned out, which is going to be coming up in time of grace in the, uh, kind of not distant future, but mid. And I, I took away this phrase from that series. The creator creates the rules. Hmm. You know, so if I create a car that's great on land, but it doesn't drive in water, you don't get to decide where you drive that car. The creator created it for land. And I took a lot away from that. If God created our bodies 
to need sleep, to need nutrition, to need rest. And if we break those rules, our body breaks down, our brains don't function right, our hearts, they can't pump right. Like the creator creates the rules. And so to think I'm just going to work like crazy because this is American culture and I'm, I'm German and I, you know, like, nope, 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 nope. Germans don't get to decide how the body works. Americans don't get to decide how the body works. The creator gets to decide how the body works. And you can break those rules to your own peril. Um, and thus, we need a good balance between hard work and true Sabbath rest. A Jesus who stayed up late to serve the crowds and got up early to pray. And a Jesus who followed the Jewish Old Testament calendar that gave weeks and weeks and weeks and yes. weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of time off. No job, no. just rest, just worship, just be. So, yes, I think in our culture, we need that so desperately. So some people need to toughen up and work hard. Other people need to take a breath and step mm -hmm. away from work. Yeah. Great series all the way around. Well done. Thank you. Speaking of well done, Amber, everyone who's watching on video right now is going to be super excited because there's this brand new book that I'm excited about. Let me, how close can I get this to the camera? It's called. That's pretty close. That's as close as you can get it. Yep. Soul care, nurturing Soul your care. spiritual wellness. Bye. Yes. That would be me. Yes. By Amber L.B. Swenson. So yeah, if you're kind of intrigued by self-care mm. balance, starting with the things that matter most, um, what, what was your line before Amber that there's no self-care without soul care, soul care. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Line. The best self-care is, uh, soul care. Yeah. That's it. Starting there. You know, you gotta start there. Yep. That's beautiful. So yeah, here in May, we're having this brand new, really cool opportunity, a $155,000 challenge grant. Uh, that means when you give, mm -hmm. uh, just a gift to help support what we do, it's going to go twice as far. It's going to double your impact. And we will be so excited to send you uh, one of these, Amber's book, yes. Soul Care. Do you have a favorite part of the book as you wrote it, as you think about it, as you think what's going to help people the most? I hate to say it, but um, the last chapter is on church hurt. And mm. um, it's a ministry I didn't want, but I seem to attract people who are hurt, have been hurt by the church. And I think it's a really important discussion to start having a conversation to start having that um jesus didn't hurt you people did mm. and mm. jesus still loves the church and oh. so yeah wow okay yep yep if nine out of ten people listening weren't intrigued by that i i don't know people very well yeah thanks for thanks for yeah. writing that even if you didn't want to that's valuable in so many ways all right well we got to learn about teenage amber <laughs> we got to hear about amber's latest books we got to hear about all the things in between and uh, we hope you've been blessed by watching and listening as we're thinking about trending. Um, mm. So you're going to hear all kinds of stuff this year. Uh, let's just make sure it's true. So we hope this podcast Amen. helps you do a little bit of that. So thanks for, for listening. Sure. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being here. Co-host slash hostess Amber. <laughs> Any yes. closing thoughts for the friends? The, the, uh, the I internet? get in trouble every time I do that. So no. <laughs> the internet is holding its breath, waiting to hear your final goodbye. And it's going to be... God bless you. I was going to give you my microphone. Oh. God bless. Just, just God bless you. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that and I will not get in trouble. <laughs> Some of us like you and me just need to keep it short, sweet. Yes. And get out unscathed. <laughs>
Yes. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being here today. Hope you have a great month and we'll catch you next time on Behind the Series.